Hello and welcome to the Travel Agent Interview. I am your host, Megan Chapa, and today we are going to do a departure from our regular format, which is interviewing travel agents about their specialties, so that you have a place to connect to a travel agent that does what type of vacation you are looking for. Today, instead, we are going to host a best-selling author, Dr. Jeff Barnes, also better known as Dr. Disneyland, because he writes really inspirational and motivational books on life and leadership and how to grow your business and accomplish your goals based on lessons that we can take from Walt Disney. And I have to say that I'm really enjoying these books. So thank you and welcome, Dr. Jeff Barnes. Thank you, Megan. How are you today? I am great. How are you? I am excellent. Happy to be on the show. Thank you very much. Yeah, we so we have a lot of people that listen to the show that love Disney just to visit and to travel there, but we also have a lot of travel agents that listen to this program. So I think for all of us, this is the perfect kind of motivational how to accomplish your goal book because it takes lessons from our own industry. So in order to get to your current bestseller, let's talk a little bit about your first bestseller in case our listeners haven't read it. And I listened to this on audiobook today and I pretty much laughed the whole day. There were some aha <laughs> moments, but you're funny and the stories about your own life, which I'm, I'm, I don't want to say I'm going to nail you on, but I am going to bring them up because you have some funny things in there. Uh, but would you tell us a little bit about the wisdom of Walt? Sure. So uh, I teach, uh, as far as I know, the world's only accredited college course on the history of Disneyland. And a lot of people think that's crazy that college students can pay tuition and get credit on a transcript by taking a course on the history of an amusement park. Uh, but the truth of the matter is, Megan, I don't see Disneyland or Walt Disney World as escapes or even the place where dreams come true. I, I see it as the place uh, that really is an example and a place that's showing each of us how to make our own dreams come true. And the response from students when I first started teaching the course back in 2014 was so overwhelming that I realized that, you know, the message here goes beyond the classroom. And so we've taken that and uh, wrote it up into a book, uh, The Wisdom of Walt, uh, Leadership Lessons from the Happiest Place on Earth that came out in 2015 and then the newest book uh, released this past October. And the, the, the point of the books is really to tell Walt's story, the story of Disneyland, and the story of Walt Disney World, and to connect that story to the story of every reader and to the story of every listener. Uh, you know, we all have goals. We all have uh, dreams. We all have some sort of achievement that we're trying to accomplish. And I genuinely believe that at some level, Disneyland and Walt Disney World are showing us and putting on display the very examples and very skills that we need to take our success and take our life to the next level. Starting with the fact that uh, Walt Disney failed more often than he succeeded. And even though he didn't open Disneyland until he was 53 and was already a household name and a Hollywood movie mogul, even Walt Disney couldn't speak the words Magic Kingdom and his first Magic Kingdom appear out of an orange grove in Anaheim. Uh, his dream for Disneyland faced every adversity, every challenge, every obstacle imaginable. And so whatever you're struggling with today, and we all are, um, it, it probably isn't as difficult as building the world's first theme park. 
And Walt was able to do it, and I believe each and every one of us is able to accomplish our own dreams as well. So I have to point out a couple of things I observed about your book because talking about obstacles. First off, people thought you were crazy for wanting to teach a class on Disneyland, but I think if you're having fun, like you're, I don't know, if you're engaged in it, you're going to retain it. And so, great, let's teach a, a class on Disneyland because those students are going to, you know, we're getting American history. I learned so much from your book about the things that are in my house that are a product of Disneyland. You're talking about <laughs> Doritos, and there's my kid chomping on a bag of Doritos. <laughs> Literally. Yeah, most people don't. Yeah, most people don't realize that Doritos were born at Disneyland in the 1960s when Walt first built the park. He didn't have the money uh, to run his own stores and run his own restaurants, and so the Mexican restaurant in Frontierland was sponsored by Frito Lay. And at the end of the evening, they would end up with excess tortillas. And uh, a cast member one night ingeniously decided to, you know, deep fry all of the leftover tortillas, cut them up, and dump a batch of seasoning on them. And overnight, that became the most popular snack in the park. And by 1966, Frito-Lay decided to take that original Disneyland snack nationwide, and today we know them as Doritos. So talking about things that are obstacles to getting your goals done, you you started teaching this class. It was going great. You were accomplishing your goal. This is pre-book, and you discovered that you had what sounded like a pretty massive brain tumor, and you said, no, I'm not stopping teaching my class. Your doctor thought you were nuts, and you <laughs> delayed the surgery in order to teach the class. First off, yeah, so, I do think you were nuts. Second off, I want to hear what your wife thought about that. Well, it, 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 I am nuts, and, and that is a, a pretty interesting story. So Walt Disney most wanted to be remembered as a storyteller. And he built Disneyland for the purpose of telling stories that we can participate in in an outside venue. And we all love stories. That's why we read books. That's why we go to the movies. That's why we keep going back to Disney parks over and over and over again. But what we fail to realize is every great story requires conflict. And typically what stands between us and our goals and us and our dreams isn't a lack of ability. It's not a lack of time. It's not even a lack of money. It's typically our unwillingness to embrace conflict. And so, again, every great success, every great story has some level of conflict involved. I knew this going into the class. What I didn't anticipate is the day after giving the first lecture in what was my dream course, The History of Disneyland, uh, the day after giving the first lecture that first summer, I faced what was the greatest conflict of my life, and mm -hmm. that is being diagnosed with a, with a brain tumor. And the neurosurgeon at Cedar sinai you know, told me it's life-threatening, it's got to come out. Um, it was a Friday. They wanted me back for surgery on Tuesday. And, and even with it not being cancerous, and at that point we didn't really know one way or the other, but even with it not being cancerous because of the size of the tumor and the invasiveness of the surgery, I was going to be out of work for eight weeks, which mm -hmm. meant, you know, that, that was the end of the class and, yeah. and the end of the dream. And... You know, I, I, I genuinely, in that moment, reflected back on Walt. Um, you know, when he was 21 years old in 1923, living in Kansas City, Missouri, he was already bankrupt, already financially ruined, and he had a difficult decision. He could stay in Kansas City 
where he was safe and comfortable and he had friends and family and he could, you know, fall back and, and, and go get a regular job. Or he could go all in on his dream, board a train, come to California and, and be that hero in Hollywood that he had always dreamed of. And, and Walt made that critical life changing and I think world changing decision to board that train with a, you know, $40, a single suitcase and a, and a one way ticket. And that's what heroes do, and that's what dreams require. Walt went all in. And so when the neurosurgeon said, um, you know, it's life-threatening and I, I need you back here for surgery on Tuesday and you're going to be out for eight weeks, I, I remembered Walt going all in on his dream, and, and I just refused and said, sorry, Doc, but, but Tuesday's not going to happen. And, of course, he wanted to know why, and I told him I'm a university professor. I have class this summer. And that was not a significant enough answer. He wanted to know what class. And honestly, Megan, I don't know if he was expecting molecular biology, <laughs> um, or organic chemistry. But I kid you not, when I told him history of Disneyland, I thought it was the neurosurgeon that was going to kill me long before the tumor. <laughs> but again, for whatever reason, this has become my life's passion. It's become my mission. I want to see people successful. I want to see them uh, realize their own dreams coming true. And I genuinely believe that Disney, that almost all of us love, and the parks that almost all of us keep going back to again and again are truly the examples that can show us how to achieve those goals and, and realize those dreams. And so I was willing to lay down my life and embrace that conflict. So at least for the 20 students that summer – I could get that message out there once and for all. And you probably, did they know in your class? Did you tell them that you had the tumor? Um, I, I did. I, I, I didn't really want to, um, but, I, but I told them for two reasons. Um, a, uh, you know, the, the doctor, you know, did said, you know, look, this thing has reached sort of a critical mass, and, and um, you, you're going to put it off for two and a half months, and, you know, each day you're going to start feeling progressively worse. Yeah. Well, a, a lot of the class is built around a, a pretty extensive field trip to both Disneyland in Anaheim and Garner Holt Productions in San Bernardino, which mm -hmm. is today the world's largest maker of audio animatronics. And so I felt as though the students needed a heads up if, if I wasn't feeling well physically and, you know, was struggling to get through either a class lecture or more likely one of those two, uh, one of those two field trips. And then secondly, I, I felt like it was a good example. I, I felt as though, um, you know, students needed to, to see, um, you know, in person sort of that all in risk taking kind of commitment. And I'll be honest with you, um, our life in 2017 doesn't look like what our life looked like in 2014. And everything that changed was around teaching the class, eventually having the surgery and getting healthy again, and then ultimately writing the books. And so we're enjoying a level of success, and we're seeing our own dreams come true because, again, we were willing to go through that conflict. Are you still teaching that class, or now that the books are out, you're mostly doing public speaking? Both. We, we teach the class every summer. In fact, we just wrapped up our fourth summer of teaching, and I, I genuinely think it gets better each and, and every year. And uh, to follow up on a question that, that you asked, mm -hmm. um, I believed that my wife, Nikki, and I, 
were on the same page about delaying the surgery. Yep. Uh, at least that's the version that I told for at least the first year, year and a half. Mm-hmm. I, I've since learned that that's not really 100% true. Uh, she simply went along with it because she knew that once I had made that decision, there really wasn't much point in trying to talk me out of it. So it's not that she agreed with it. She simply went along with it. Well, I'm going to assume that based on your teaching at the Baptist University, she's probably a lady of faith, and she probably prayed pretty hard for you during that time. So. <laughs> she did. And, and and I think that's another uh, aspect of all of this, and that is, you know, at the end of the day, it's, it's not really, you know, my decision how long I have on this earth, and it's not really the neurosurgeon's decision either. And so it, it was a genuine leap of faith, and we feel very blessed and very fortunate that, you know, again, we were able to delay the surgery without any significant ramifications, and it, it, it wasn't cancerous. And, you know, today we get to live a life that, again, several years ago wasn't even imaginable for us. That's wonderful. Yeah, I think that I think things are going well, and I hope that they continue to go well. Um, let me jump into another observation that I had. I So you say that you can't teach American history without teaching Disneyland. I... <laughs> I think that that's awesome, but I also like to hear, because prior to Disneyland, Disney World, especially for younger people that might be listening, there was animation, and we had Mickey Mouse, and if you don't know about Mickey Mouse, you might know about this guy named Hitler, and as it turns out, Hitler hated Mickey Mouse, which makes me just love Mickey Mouse so much. So would you just just indulge me a little bit and tell me about that little quote, and then we can move on. Sure. So, uh, you know, Mickey was not Walt Disney's first successful cartoon character. His first true success uh, was was in a fellow by the name of uh, Oswald the Lucky Rabbit. And uh, in order to get him distributed, Walt signed a deal with a fellow by the name of Charles Mintz and Universal. And in 1928, he went back to New York uh, to sit down and negotiate what he hoped would be a bigger and better contract. And in that meeting, he learned that, A, he had signed away the rights when he signed the distribution deal. And then, Mm B, while he and his wife, Lily, were busy in New York City, Universal was busy here in Southern California, hiring away the very animators who had helped make Oswald so successful. And so instead of walking out with a bigger and better contract, Walt walked out with nothing. And he's staring bankruptcy in the face all over again. But it was on that train ride home that he remembered a little character who had kept him company during those dark days in Kansas City. And he pulled out a pad of paper, sketched out the first story, showed it to his wife, Lily, and and said, hey, honey, what what do you think of this guy? And she responded with, he's cute. What are you going to name him? And Walt's first proposal was Mortimer. And Lily was horrified by that name and said, no, no, Walt, that name's much too heavy. Why don't we go with Mickey Instead, And so it was in that moment, but again, a moment of desperation that the world's most popular and profitable cartoon character was born. And it was Mickey that got us through the Great Depression. Mm -hmm. And it was also Mickey who helped us win World War II. (laughs) So, for example, on D-Day, when you had uh, troops hitting the beach and you had troops uh, paratrooping in behind enemy lines, Mickey Mouse was the code word for allied troops being able to meet up and knowing that they were with an ally as opposed to an enemy or a foe. Mm, that tidbit did not get into your book, but I'm so glad that you shared that. And also tell us why Hitler hated mice or Mickey. 
Well, he believed that um, you know mice were the the, the carriers of, of of germs and disease, and you know that Americans were were low life for you know being so enamored with you know a mouse, i.e. you know such a lowly kind of you know character and rodent. Well, we know how that story ends. <laughs> exactly. That's right. All right. Well, um, I would say um, first book. Just so wonderful to read. I don't typically read what I would, you know, put into a self-improvement category or something like that. But really, this is a motivational book, especially if you love American history, if you love Disney parks, if you have a project that you're trying to get off the ground and that you just need that push, this would be a great book for you. Also, for undecided college majors, this is an encouraging book for you. Because that's your background and this, uh, Jeff can identify with you and it comes through in this book. So if you're a parent listening to this, you have an undecided college major, I would say this might be a good book to hand to them. Wh- who else would you say this book is for? Well, again, I think it's for anyone who either uh, wants to make themselves better, make their business better, make their family better, uh, make their company better. And, you know, the success principles that I write about aren't unique, um, nor are the leadership principles. What's different is I, I use those success principles and I use those leadership techniques through the prism of Disney. And so it's a vehicle that I think most people love and it's a vehicle that most people can connect with. And again, that was sort of the dream and the vision for the college course. You know, if I walked in and told a bunch of college students, here's what you need to do if you want to be more successful. Here's what you need to do if you want to become a leader in whatever major or industry you're looking to go into. They'd be done with me and bored out of their minds in 30 seconds or less. If, however, I can engage them and connect with them through Disney and specifically through the Disney parks that here in Southern California, folks are going to often several times a month. Now, all of a sudden, you've gotten their attention Mm -hmm. because you're starting basically where they are, and that is with something they already know and something they already love, and you're showing them something like the importance of focus or the you know need to overcome adversity, time management, whatever it may be, but you're telling it through stories related to the Disney parks. And so they're going to appreciate Disneyland or Walt Disney World a little bit better because they're going to know the backstory and they're going to hear about some of the fun and some of the details. But again, at the end of the day, it's really about you and your story and your own personal success. So I'm, it sounds like just from reading your book, I just want to talk to about um, just writing in general. It sounds like you did a lot of research leading up to this because your resources are really excellent. Um, but then also within the first two chapters, you've quoted Marcus Aurelius, Einstein, Hitler, John Acuff. Are you just, a quote buff or do you just read <laughs> all the time? Um, you know, I, I, I love to read and just like anyone else, I need my own source of motivation and my own source of inspiration. And, you know, I typically enjoy what other people say about, you know, the various challenges that each and every one of us face on, you know, a, a, a daily basis and, you know, stuff sticks with me. And I like sort of weaving those quotes and weaving those stories together to hopefully create what I think is kind of a new and, and, and different sort of tapestry. And if I could speak to something, you know, here real quick. Sure. 
you know, I work with undeclared majors in college, and this is what I tell students. If, if you don't know who you want to be, if you don't know what you want to do, here's probably the quickest way to find out. Ask yourself this question. What would you be willing to read 500 books on? Not that you have those 500 books, not that you even have to read the 500 books, but what would you be willing to read 500 books on? And for me, over the last 25 years, I have read easily 500 books on Walt Disney, Disneyland, Walt Disney World, and leadership and success. Because for whatever reason, that's where my passion lies. That's what I'm most interested in. And not one of those books ever ended up on a course syllabus. It was just a reflection of my own interests, a reflection of my own curiosity. And so whatever it is that you would be willing to read 500 books on, go down that path. Start start reading some of those books because that's telling you something that you need to know in order to change your life and change your future. I think it's a great tip. I wish someone had told me that in college because I was undeclared for a very long time. But I think I landed in the right place eventually. And 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 and, and most of us do. Yeah, it takes some time, but it's all right. It's uh, I'm getting yep. there. I'm getting there. So the first book is about leadership. Second book is life lessons. So take us into the second book. Um, and then if you have a favorite little segment, maybe a teaser for us, would you read us that so we can hear your story in your words? Absolutely. So uh, the first book is really the story of Walt and his dream for a place where parents and children can have fun together. And again, all of the obstacles and adversity that he faced in making Disneyland real in July of 1955. And then some of the stories and details and history ever since. And then following the success of that book, when it was released in July 2015, I I kept hearing from readers, wow, we love this. Um, Please tell me you're going to write another one. And to be honest with you, my position was sort of similar to that of Walt Disney's, because after Walt built Disneyland, other cities, other countries were calling and clamoring for their own amusement park, for their own Disneyland. Mm-hmm. And Walt's position was, nope, th- th- there will there will never be another Disneyland. And so when people ask me for a follow-up book, I'm like, look, it, 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 you know, I, I wrote that one, and I, I can't believe how well it's doing, and, and I, I, I don't really see the need for another one. Mm-hmm. And then I started um, reading even more on Walt Disney World, and I came to realize there's a story here as well, maybe even a bigger story, maybe even a better story. And then I came to the realization that, you know, we didn't cover every life lesson, every leadership principle, every success idea in the first book. And so I started sketching out, well, what are some topics that we didn't cover, like, say, uh, finances, when it comes to financing your dreams, Mm -hmm. or, you know, making time for you know, taking your life to the next level when you already feel like you have too much to do. Those were topics that never got touched in the first book. And so once I realized that I had enough um, success principles and ideas and topics to cover and there were stories from Walt Disney World that could apply and and could help cover them, then then I was willing to do that, that, that second book. And so the first one's focused on Walt and Disneyland. The second one is focused on the leader's who picked up Walt's dream for Florida after he died in 1966, and again, the stories and the histories from those particular parks as well. 
So do you have a little segment for us that you'd be willing to read? I do. So um, I'm going to start with uh, a segment out of Beyond the Wisdom of Wall. It's in a chapter entitled Expanding Your Expectations, and it really centers around the number one challenge to our ability to achieve our dreams is a lack of imagination and an inability to think big enough. And so um, the, the, the way that this starts out is on, on July 17, 1965, a standing room only crowd gathered inside the Magnolia Room at the Disneyland Hotel. They were celebrating a happy event for the happiest place on earth, Disneyland. Walt Disney's dream that most believed would never survive six months was instead celebrating 10 years of unparalleled success. And taking the stage that night, Walt reflected briefly on all of the obstacles they had overcome a decade earlier and thanked everyone for helping him to make the impossible possible. And shifting quickly from the past, he focused on the future. We are just getting started. And on that night, Walt Disney's great, big, beautiful tomorrow was never grander. He used the rest of his time to talk up $40 million of plans for expansion at Disneyland over the next five years, and then ended the evening by highlighting the importance of tomorrow and announcing a brand new Tomorrowland. Scheduled for 1967, Walt's World on the Move would feature the People Mover and his all-time favorite attraction, the Carousel of Progress. They really were just getting started. And Walt, Walt wasn't even talking about Disneyland. Yes, $40 million worth of expansion in five years is impressive, impressive enough to distract everyone from what Walt Disney was really doing in 1965. Fewer than a dozen people in the room that night knew the real truth, a truth that sat silent inside a secret room 33 miles to the north at the Disney studio in Burbank. Only three people held a key. Seven had seen its contents. Walt Disney was going to do what he swore he would never do. Walt Disney was going to build another Disneyland. And that's the opening to Beyond the Wisdom of Walt and the opening story for how Walt Disney World in Florida came to be. I loved it. I listened to the audiobook of the first one, and I have it. I have both the copy you sent me. I have one in my Kindle, and my husband helped me get the Audible version, which, uh, speaking of which, the man that read it, he was very good. If I don't know if you actually have content with him or how that process happens, but he did a great job. Al and I speak probably on at least a weekly basis, and uh, he lives at Phoenix, so we've actually had an opportunity to get together and uh, have dinner a time or two. So, no, Al, Al is great, and... Uh, he actually, there would not have been an Audible book if he had not contacted me and said, you know, hey, um, I'm an Audible narrator. I love Disney. I read your book, and I have no idea why there's not an Audible version. So, um, yes, I owe Al a debt of gratitude for how great a narrator he is, but more importantly for even, you know, pressing me to do an audio book to begin with. Yeah, it was great. Uh, his expression is wonderful. And um, I think he captures your moments nicely. And it helped. I mean, I I got through it while I was folding laundry and doing all these crazy house things, and <laughs> I, which would have been a miserable process. But I was chuckling the whole way because your stories are wonderful. Um, oh, thank you. 
But one and, thing, and Al, Al oh, genuinely believes he he loved the first book, but he genuinely believes that the second book is is even better. And he's never even been to Walt Disney World. Oh my gosh, you must take him. You have to go together. I've offered. Oh well, we're gonna shame him. We're gonna send this episode to him. <laughs> Let's do it. Make right. it happen. All right, good. Um, so one thing I wanted to say, the audio book was wonderful, but I think that there's value in getting the paper copies because this is a book that attempts to help you get on track with your life goals, your business goals, your college goals, whatever those unaccomplished areas are. In the paper, you have these end segments that I'd like you to talk about, and I think that they're great because you could put notes in there with actual mm-hmm. dates to help you look back and say, okay, this is the day I said I was going to do this. And, you know, <laughs> you know, that sort of thing. So tell us about how you end your chapters. So, you know, the, the professor or teacher in me likes to hold people accountable. And I do the same with the readers. And so the way the, the way the book is set up, each chapter uh, begins and ends with a story from the parks because I want them to be park centric books. But, then as you get toward the end of the chapter, um, each chapter has what I call a souvenir stop. And, you know, whenever you go to an amusement park, Disneyland, Walt Disney World, you want to bring something home. You want to bring home some sort of memento or keepsake that reminds you of those good memories and the good times that you had while you were there. Well, I use those souvenir stops to remind the readers that, yeah, you, you, you got a lot of good, you got a lot of fun information in this chapter but there's a point, and, and the point is to apply whatever it is we were talking about, whether it's the importance of focus, whether it's the importance of finding your passion, whether it's the importance of you know using story to advance your story. Whatever the point is, we, we now have to apply it to you and your life and your world and your story. And so the souvenir stops are the opportunity to do just that. They're, they're the takeaways from the chapter so that that there's sort of that immediate bridge and immediate connection to Walt Disneyland, Walt Disney World, and you and your goals and your dreams and your success. Um, yeah, I appreciate that. And I might just get the paper copy so I can do that. So, uh, because I, while, while I was listening, I was kind you know, it's, you start to form these ideas. I mean, I was possibly thinking of my next business adventure while I was listening mm-hmm. and, but the book kept going and I was like, no, I have to, I have to hold on to that thought. But had I had a paper copy, I could have just written it down right there. So right. anyway, yeah. I encourage people, paper copy is a good idea. Um, so I just wanted to do, tell you one observation that I loved about the second book and, and that being the limiting beliefs segment where I, I laughed out loud because you talk about limiting beliefs and, um, and you mention, um, cats, you give segments. <laughs> Um, which I appreciate, um, how you roll your, your love for your wife into this book. So can you give us examples of limiting beliefs? Um, and then, and then tell us about the cats. Well, first of all, I, Nikki and I have been married a little over eight years. And when we first met and I realized that, um, I, I was hopelessly attracted to her, I genuinely believed that she lived in Neverland, meaning mm-hmm. Nikki was never going to happen, at least not for me. And at some level, the, the wisdom of Walt, as much as it's about Walt Disney and Disneyland and, you know, you and your dreams and your goals and your success, I really wrote it as a love letter to Nikki. And oh. there are a lot of stories in there 
um, that that relate to that and and, and connect to that. Um, if if any of your listeners are familiar with the uh, movie uh, The Princess Bride, uh, you, you might. I want to ask, is this a kissing book? And I guess at some level it is because, you know, I, I share some of those stories. But the idea behind doing that, Megan, was, again, Walt most wanted to be remembered as a storyteller. He built the parks for the purpose of telling stories. And that's why Disney doesn't have rides. They have attractions, attractions that tell stories. And I use that as an excuse to tell and share some of our own stories. And that's what's really resonated with readers. There's a lot of great Walt Disney biographies out there. I didn't want to do another one. There's a lot of great Disneyland, Walt Disney World history books out there. I didn't want to do another one. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of great Disney business books out there. Again, I didn't want to do another one of those either. I I wanted to do something that I hope would resonate with readers that would be a little bit different and unique in the marketplace. And the way that we did that was using some of our own stories um, to, to again, hopefully inspire and motivate readers in terms of pushing their own story forward. So yeah, um, Nikki will, will show up in the book quite a bit. And um, I, I'm not I'm not much of a pet guy. Um, and she she absolutely adores cats. She she wants to develop her own TV show entitled 19 counts, 19 cats and counting. And um, I, I feel very fortunate that I've managed to keep it at three so far. Um, and uh, to be honest, I, I, you know, I, I have learned to love the cats. I would, I would miss them terribly if they weren't there, but it really was one of those starting out sorts of beliefs. And that is, um, I'm not a pet person. I, I particularly don't care for cats, but I love Nikki. And if this is something that she needs, that's going to make her world a little bit happier, then, you know, I can, I can get on board with it as well. Because marriage. Exactly. Exactly. Yep. Yep. Hashtag nailed it. Okay. Yep. I love that yep. movie. Well, and, and the other, the other, Nikki had never even been to Disneyland until our honeymoon. So, you know, she has to put up with a lot because of my, my love for Walt and my love for, for Disney, um, you know, to, to include all of the times that we go there and, and, you know, the books and the speaking. So, you know, she's on board with what I'm trying to do and what, what I love. I, I can certainly get on board with what she wants to do and what she loves. Well, if 19 Cats and Counting ever happens, I'll be sure to talk about it on this podcast because I just want to hear about what happens with a litter box for 19 cats. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, gross. Okay, well, that's good to know. Well, um, let's talk about um, besides writing and teaching, you're all, you also do public speaking. So tell us about what you do when you're available and how someone might contact you for that. Yeah, so, um, you know, we took the class and turned it into a couple of best-selling books, and now we're taking the books and using those to speak to as many people and as many, you know, different groups as possible. And, uh, in fact, uh, my next major speaking event, I'm going to be in Jamaica uh, the week, uh, the last week of November, speaking specifically to travel agents. And I'm really looking forward uh, to connecting with them and, uh, you know, using Beyond the Wisdom of Wall. At, you know, to inspire that group to, you know, set bigger goals and to use the example of Disney to, you know, see, again, see their own dreams come true. So if anyone wants to check me out, uh, you can find me at thewisdomofwalt.com. And you can also go there if you're interested in, you know, a personally signed hardcover copy of the book. 
And you can also find the links on Amazon at thewisdomofwalt.com. And on Amazon, you can also get the soft cover version, the audio version, and the Kindle ebook version as well. Speaking of signed books, Jeff, what are we going to do? Well, I hear we're going to do a giveaway, Megan. We're going to do a giveaway. We will do two, so one of each, the Wisdom of Walt and Beyond the Wisdom of Walt signed copies, and we will be running a contest, which you'll be able to find on my page and on Jeff's pages uh, for uh, how you can enter. Just enter your name and email address, and um, after a week, we'll we'll pick a random winner and send them out to you. So that's exciting. Yeah. Thank you for that. Yep, I'm looking forward to signing those books and shipping them. And, uh, you know, hopefully the, the, the lucky winner will enjoy them as much as you have. Yes, I hope so, too. So let's talk about what's next for you. Are you slowing down? Are you going to keep going? Uh, what's next? Uh, so we're still at, uh, you know, the university, and I'm teaching my history classes, teaching my American government courses, teaching history at Disneyland in the summer, uh, still working uh, with students both in groups and individually in terms of, you know, their own success. And, you know, the next thing, we, we really just want to do more speaking. And so we're working toward that end and, you know, continue to promote the books. Of Beyond the Wisdom Walt has only been out for a little over a month. And so we're still trying to get as much traction and exposure with that book in the marketplace as possible. And I'm not going to lie, I've got a, I've got a third book in the back of my mind. It, mm. it, it feels like this should be uh, a, a bit of a trilogy, if you will. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Walt started with Disneyland in Anaheim, and even though he said there'd never be another Disneyland, then dreamed of what would become Walt Disney World in Florida. And of course, today, the sun never sets on a Disney park anywhere in the world. And so I am currently exploring the idea that there might be a few more success principles and a few more life lessons that could be told via the stories of the international Disney parks, starting with Tokyo that, of course, opened in 1983, and then Disneyland Paris, and ultimately Hong Kong Disney, and then Shanghai last summer. Wonderful. So if you end up in Paris, we'll hop over and meet you over there. You can uh, can give us a tour, and we'll record it. (laughs) <laughs> that would be amazing. We we had the uh, opportunity to be there in 2010. We loved it except for the fact the entire week we were in Paris, it, not, it, it never got above 30 degrees. And we were there from Hawaii. We were living in oh. Hawaii at the time. So that was a, that was a bit of a wake-up call for us, but we, we, we loved it nonetheless. And, yeah, Nikki wants me to write the third book. If for no other reason she knows we're going to have to go to each park and get all of that <laughs> research done. Well, if you want to do a side trip to Oxford, we'll, we'll hook, we have a guest room for you. So there that would you go. Be great. There you go. There you go. Yeah, that would be great. Well, Jeff, I wish you lots of success. I really enjoyed the books. They really inspired me to get after some of the things and to really push this podcast out even more than I am. And, um, which is, you know, which is part of my dream for our family and our kind of gypsy lifestyle to be able to have this mobile <laughs> thing that travels with us. And, um, my kids love it. My husband has fun with it. So um, anyway, thanks for the motivation. Thank you for participating in the giveaway. And please keep us updated with what's next for you. Well, well, and thank you, Megan. And, you know, thank you to your listeners. And I think it's important for all of us to remember it's kind of fun to do the impossible. And so whatever it is that you're facing today that you think is impossible, uh, the only limits are the limits of our imagination. So my encouragement to everyone is to just never stop dreaming. Thanks, Jeff. 
This is Megan Chapa of the Travel Agent Interview, hosting Dr. Disneyland, reminding you to like, follow, and share this episode to as many people who love Disney and might need some motivation. And until next week, good night.